Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. This is the Fizzle Show, our chance to help freelancers, creatives, and indie entrepreneurs by sharing the nuts and bolts of building a small business that works. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, a website full of training courses to help you run a small business, and more importantly, where you'll find the community of entrepreneurs who won't let you quit. You can try your first five weeks free on us when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. In this episode, listen, entrepreneurship is a balance of self-confidence and self-doubt. That's something that Corbett Barr is about to share with you. I mean, I'm kind of like, I don't want to take the wind out of his sails or anything like that, but it's good when he says it too. Uh, Self-doubt is natural. It's inevitable, and it's very real part of building a business. And in this episode, we share how we think about it, how we process it, and how we overcome it. If you compare yourself to other entrepreneurs, if you deal with self-doubt or feel the need for validation and permission, then you are going to love this episode. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 133. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And we're back! Doesn't that feel good? Oh, it feels good to me. You guys, doesn't that feel good to you? It's been a while since you heard me say that, right? I'm going to reserve judgment. Oh. I mean, it feels pretty good. But but I, I just don't know if the uh, if the atmosphere, the dad jokes, the um, innuendos, all that are going to play out the same with you here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm back from my I'm back from my trip in Europe, and I listened to the episodes. And boy, you guys really nailed it without me. It kind of, it, it, honestly, it felt good to hear. You did know, it, did it was, give you a little bit of uh, self doubt? Uh, mm. It's funny you should mention that. <laughs> don't start already, Barrett. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's really trying to drag us down. He's really trying to drag us down. He's making that joke because, of course, that's what we're talking about today. But uh, before we jump right into that. Yeah, come on. We don't need to jump right in. We're not jumping right in. What is this, a f***ing pool? So, uh... (laughs) Jeez. Uh, I couldn't God. even stop it. Like it happened it before happened. I could even. It just happened. Sorry, I got to beep train, that one out. Train wreck. So I, I, I had a lovely ten year anniversary with my wife in Europe. We went to four You're still cities. married, still married, <laughs> still married, and um, and it was great. And and you know, it's just such a testament of. You know, all everybody's listening to this show. We all want to build a business that we could, you know, take ten days, fourteen days, eighteen days off without needing to like without like it being a huge deal, yeah. right? That's the dream of of working for yourself. And a lot of us want that location independence. Like a lot of us, that's the goal. For some others, it's like, no, I want to build something that matters. And then, but even if you do, like, it's really nice to be able to get away because it actually makes you better at what you do. It gives you that perspective. We wrote about that in a great post that we wrote on the um, uh, lifestyle, uh, life, work-life balance, right? The 10, yeah. 10 things for work-life balance where we talk about travel just... It gets your head in a different place and you, it helps you see your blind spots. And so that's what it, it was. There was definitely some of that for, for me. When, yeah, when you came back earlier, uh, you were just talking about a little bit about some light revelations you had or mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is important. I need to listen to this because whenever I go travel for yeah. a couple of weeks, I 
think about things that you don't get to, to think about when you're yeah. super close to the metal. It's almost like you were Uncle Traveling Matt coming to tell us fraggles yeah, what I, was happening out in the world. Yeah, I was. I was. And, and Traveling Matt, if you ever listen to this show, if you ever hear your name here on this show, you've got to just tweet us and say, I heard it. Who? Traveling Matt. Fraggles. I, I think that's a fictional character. I, I think you're wrong. Uh, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Just got real awkward for a second. <laughs> so, uh, put me in another room. <laughs> <laughs> you are in another room. Barrett's over here. He's reading his damn blog posts or emails Shit. or something because he's frustrated about the show today because he doesn't think the topic Barrett's, is that uh, interesting. Barrett's uh, attending the show in protest. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he is he's not eating anything. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. Barrett, did you get a snack? I think you might. Need a little snack. We got a little snacky snack. Got a little snack. So Barrett, l- listen, guys, this is what we're talking about today. Uh, is uh, how to deal with the cesspool of self doubt. This is something that all of us deal with as entrepreneurs. Self doubt. Oh my gosh, am I doing it right? You you will have a ton of confidence as you start your thing, as you think through it, as you sort of build things. But inevitably, every time it happens that the sort of you start to go, oh my god. Am I doing the right thing? Oh my God, am I crazy? Oh my God, the, that person's being really successful and I'm not, am I, am I an idiot? Is this, like, is this really, really dumb of me to try this? Um, I think everybody feels this as an entrepreneur and Barrett thinks that only stupid people feel this. Is that what you think, Barrett? <laughs> That's not what I think. I think, so I was, I was evaluating my own thoughts on why this topic annoys me and Honestly, I think it's because we work with so many entrepreneurs and this comes up so much that I feel like a broken record in responding to people uh, facing self-doubt. Yeah. And it, it actually takes me back to like my little leadership development days in college when there was this phrase we went by that was, you know, it might be your hundredth time, but it's somebody's first time. Mm-hmm. And that was in response to us having to do this show over and over and over. And I'm sure the same applies to acting or whatever, where mm-hmm. if you're traveling and doing a show for different audiences, you have to remember that for you, you're doing the same thing, saying the same thing, acting the same thing out. Yep. But for them, it's almost everyone there's first time seeing it or experiencing it, yeah. or in this case, feeling that feeling, or maybe it's the 10th time they have, but they need the same kind of support. And so, whereas I feel like a broken record for the person going through it, that's not the case. They actually need the support. Uh, so you're saying you, you lack empathy. You lack empathy. You've never doubted yourself. No, I'm saying that it's very difficult to maintain empathy over hundreds and hundreds of a similar conversation and that it's important to check yourself. And I think this is a really that. valuable point because here's the, here, I, li- I like this because the truth is, yes, we do hear from a lot of people early on in their business who are like, uh, I don't know, am I doing this? I, I got an email recently from a guy who was like, listen, it, do, do you think this is like a good blog post? Do you think this is like, I haven't written it yet. I haven't published it all the way, but here's like a, my rough draft. Do you think it's like a good blog post for my first post? And I don't have time to read like people's first blog posts. And I, so I was just politely said, hey, I'm super swamped right now, but you're overthinking this. The most important, and I, and I totally know where you are. We've all been there. What's most, the most important thing about your first post is that it makes you a little bit more likely to write the second post, which makes you a little bit more likely to write the third post. Right. And then a hundred posts in, that's when you, that it's literally not to like a hundred posts in that you start to get a hang of, oh, maybe I do know what this is about. Maybe I do Oh, I got it. I thought it was more like this when really it's more like that. Yeah. You know, it's like it's the stuff over time. But that one, that fear about that one post was keeping him from even trying. 
And maybe it was a stupid idea. Maybe it is a dumb business idea. But one of the things we were talking about recently is one of the huge values that we offer to people in Fizzle is a lot of people who have launched their second product in Fizzle came in with the first product that they realized wasn't going to work in their first, you know, whatever, however many months within Fizzle. And it's super valuable to learn that this thing isn't going to work and have the fortitude to go, but I have this idea that it act, that this thing over here actually might. If I change this, if I go this way, right? Yep. Yeah, well, and I think those people are looking for validation. I mean, you can imagine an alternative where they weren't in a group like Fizzle and they just kept doing that. They just kept plowing forward with that one product over and over again. Um, and it never really works out. They kind of plateau at like a mediocre level of success. Yeah. And they come in and they see other people who are supporting them and are who are giving them feedback and and telling them that you're really good at this, but maybe you should try another product. Um, and getting over that self doubt, I think, by reflecting back what other people are sort of giving them. When when we talk about self doubt, I know we're going to get a lot into um, comparing yourself to others. Yeah. Because it's a source of self-doubt a lot of times, but also it helps you get out of it if it's the right people that you're comparing yourself to or that you're talking to. Oh, that's true. Yeah, let's save that for because you're bang on. That actually, and I haven't haven't even thought through that. But what you did just mention, let me let me go backwards a little bit here. I called this how we deal with the cesspool of self-doubt, and I had to go look up like what's wait what's a cesspool? (laughs) It sounds really good, but I don't really know what it means. I do this all the time, where it's like where you actually use a word the right way. And you, but you're like, I actually don't know what an actual cesspool is. I read that is. in a sentence one time in a book I was reading, but I got no and idea only what it means. And 25% of those times are they racist or offensive. And well, uh, <laughs> it's not that. It's uh, it's just that it's a, it's a kind of blindness. Like my grandma really. used to say that all yeah, the time. Exactly. <laughs> so cesspool. Uh, I think that literally it's the perfect word for this. A cesspool of self-doubt. Because a cesspool is an underground container for the temporary storage of liquid waste and sewage. And it feels to me like when I'm doing a business, the way that we've been doing it for the last, whatever, almost four years here in Fizzle and everything before that for me too, it just starts to build up, build up eventually until it starts peeking its head through. This this self-doubt is underground and it's kind of hidden. It's like this gross sewage thing, but it's like, oh no, everything's fine. I think it's going to work out. You know, it's because like I've always said, there's this necessary delusion you need to be an entrepreneur or to try something that's outside of the status quo. You have to kind of go be crazy enough to think that it might actually work when stupid Uncle Terry's going like, you think you're going to be successful? You're not. You're worthless. (laughs) Go get a job at a bar. You know, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) what are you going to say? Entrepreneurship is really this battle between your self-confidence and your self-doubt. And yeah. you just have to hope that your self-confidence leads you two steps forward yeah. for every step backwards that your self-doubt drags you. Yep, yeah, it's it's totally true. So, so I, just, I want to clarify one thing. So what you're saying about cesspool as a concept is that you did some research and it kind of looked like that was... Some the, research. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning right. Google. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So like you, you did some keyword research and you're like, oh man, like entrepreneurs, they're out there and they're just like cesspool this cesspool that this that that's right that's where we that's Awkward. where that came from put me in a different room <laughs> so cesspool literally is this underground place that and i think that this doubt stuff just builds inside of you until one day something triggers it like somebody else's monthly income report or mm-hmm. something and you go and then all of a sudden you start smelling it everywhere 
You're like, oh my God, maybe what I'm doing is totally worthless. Maybe I have no clue what I'm doing. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe none of this can possibly work. It could never work, right? It's not, it's, it's, it'll never work. Yeah. That's what starts to happen. And, and just like you said, Corbett, entrepreneurship really is this dance, and this balance mm-hmm. between your self-confidence and your self-doubt. Um, because you do have to have this brash sort of confidence to say, I'm going to try it. I'm going to get, I'm going to give it a go. I think I can maybe do something. And then that's tempered by this humility. The, the, the flip side of self-doubt is kind of humility going like, well, I'm not like the greatest thing in the world, but humility doesn't, doesn't sabotage you. Self-doubt will sabotage you. It makes you go, I actually can't do this when you, when you might be able to. Well, I I think when you get to that point of of humility, mm-hmm. uh, that's when you start to succeed because you can yeah. kind of temper your self doubt with humility. And that's when you have some self awareness like, okay, you know, I'm not the greatest person in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most talented like podcaster or whatever, but I have enough tools to make this work. I, th- I believe I have enough yeah. tools to make this work. Yeah. Um, and so then you start making progress because your humility doesn't drag you down. It's more like, I'm not going to worry about what I'd lack. Yeah. I'm going to focus on what I have. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so now one of the things that you mentioned before, uh, actually, this is a good time to, to, to switch gears here. Steph, there was a thread you brought up uh, earlier when we were talking about this in the forums, I believe. W- can you tell us about that now? Yeah, I will. And first, I'll just, I want to add one thing to what Corbett was saying, because that's ex- I was thinking about this, and it's funny because we, I was just preparing a few notes, and I found myself like writing a novel about self-doubt, self-doubt, because for me, one of the things we talked about as a group was, you know, think come to this conversation with a few examples of times when we've each had self-doubt. I actually have a harder time thinking of a time when I was not doubting myself hmm. than times where I was like, was totally confident. And to be honest with you, the times that I can think of where I had no doubt were probably some of the le- my least favorite times in my career. Because I think that with self-doubt, like self-doubt to me is an indication that you are out of your comfort zone in one way or another. If you had no doubt whatsoever and you're 100% confident, I just don't, I don't know. I kind of don't buy that. I sort of feel like you're not pushing yourself as far as you you could because you just mm. 100% believe that what you could, like th- that you're just capable of everything. And yeah. I think there's also this misconception that maybe one day you'll wake up and be over your self-doubt and you'll just be confident. You'll just be one of those people who exude confidence. I just don't think that's the case. I think it is that constant tension that Corbett was talking about between confidence and self-doubt and, and, and you have to temper that and keep working at it and it never really goes away. So maybe that's not super comforting, but it's it's certainly what I have found. Sometimes when I have self-doubt, I listen to the band No Doubt mm-hmm. and I just scream into, I sit in my closet and listen to it really loudly and I scream into my coats and jackets, I'm just a girl in the world. That's all that you'll let me be. How does that work out for you? I st- I end up uh, I end up getting really lonely. I end up touching myself, and then I have to go to bed. Oh boy. Hmm. Okay then. Just like my shoulders and stuff. I just touch my <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> what do you guys think? Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> oh, okay, but on to that on to that forum thread yeah. that you that you mentioned, Chase. So there was a very uh, timely <laughs> forum thread from one of our fizzlers, whose name is Bree, and she put out a great forum topic that I think the community totally agreed was very vulnerable, super honest, and something that a lot of people could relate to. The Hold title, on. by the way, very vulnerable and super honest. Anytime you make stuff that lets yes. like that, it's normally it's normally 
it normally is like for me in my history, there's like a lot of things that I've researched and some and, and like tried to make that would be big. But the, always the surprising things that got big were just coming from vulnerability yeah. and honesty. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. And it, it's really ironic in this case, too, because the title of the thread was actually feeling burnt out, worthless and imposterish. And the whole idea behind it, this imposter syndrome or the feeling of being found out is you're afraid of being seen vulnerable or naked. And so I love that she just went ahead and just threw herself right into that and decided to go ahead and be vulnerable. So I think that was actually a really interesting way to, to approach the fear she was having. Uh, but it was a great post for fizzlers who are listening to this. You should definitely check it out. It's a, it's a very good one. Um, but I think the key question that she asks was who would want to learn from someone who continues to fail? Like that's really the part of her question Ooh. that stood out to me. Ooh. And yeah, that, that one hits close to <sighs> home. So that, that, that was really the question that I saw the community rallying around her for. And the amazing thing too, like perhaps my, there's a lot of responses to this thread already. One of my favorite things is there are people who have been on fizzle who admit that they are, have just been lurking and reading who felt compelled to create their first post just to rely or just to reply to this and say that yeah. they could relate or that they were inspired by what she said. So oh, there's obviously some serious power behind what Bree's talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea of, um, when you're in the midst of the failure, I can, I can get that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if, if you haven't had much success, I, I can sort of understand that. But later looking back, those failures are what makes your story interesting. It's Absolutely. like, you wouldn't write a, a film script that's only about the success or getting the girl or whatever. Yeah. Cause it's just one note. It's too sweet. It doesn't have the, the balance. Yeah. And those yeah. failures end up making you like just be able to relate to people so much better. And it's funny you bring up f film scripts, right? Like what, what do we love about movies? It's that like, well, it's not over yet. You know when a movie's over. Yeah. You know when a movie's over. You know when it's like, yeah, the the, the resolution happened and then yep. it's just, they're just wrapping up loose ends. And in life, you don't know when the movie's over. You're right now, you're like the guy, the person who sent me the, the email, like, hey, would you read my first blog post? I don't know if it's good. He is in the middle of a movie that he thinks just ended and now every, and now like, like fades to black potentially. And, oh, I was a failure my whole life long, right? When when you're living in life, like you you don't know that you're just at the beginning of some script or you're, you're midway through. Normally you're midway through and you don't even know what parts from the beginning of your, your life end up coming to be a part of what makes you successful in the end, yeah. you know? So um, one of the things you mentioned, Corbett, was this idea of validation. I want to start there. Okay, so we've talked about we all experience this uh, this cesspool of self doubt. We all experience this feeling of not only just uncertainty, but it's uncertainty plus like a kind of fear that it's the opposite of adventure. Like I had this thing where uh, you know I, I had to um, when we lost our second son Rowan. Like I started having to think through. I had this like big life change where I thought through painful things like. I'm Indiana Jones, I grab the hat and the whip, and now this hard thing is an adventure, right? Or the thing that is very difficult for me, traveling with my son Aiden, who, when he was young, was always difficult to travel on, on airplanes and stuff like that. Uh, now this is an adventure. Versus, this is gonna suck so bad. This is gonna be humiliating. This is gonna be terrible, right? Right, but... What you said? You started with validation, though. Yeah, don't worry. It? I'm coming around. Okay. I'm coming around. Okay. Um. So there's this idea that like that uh, that this fear, okay, the fear that leads towards self doubt is the opposite of adventure. Of like, let's just see what happens. Because let's see what happens means I know who I am, and everything's gonna be okay. Right. Even if it doesn't turn out the way that I'm dreaming it. 
Whereas fear, like nothing's going to work out is, is like, I'm, is, is that nothing's going to work out. It's bleak. Yeah, the uh, the the term I believe is crippling self doubt. Crippling the kind self-doubt. of self doubt that stops yeah. all forward progress. It, it, yeah, exactly. So when what I'm looking for when I'm in that fear place is I want someone to say, no, actually, you have a pretty good idea. You're on the right path, right. and what you're doing is the right thing. That's that validation piece that can help me turn my fear into into an adventure, right? Into like, a, okay, let's keep pursuing this. Yeah. And you have that special kind of energy that kind of helps you see things as opportunities instead of places to fail. Um, we all need, we all want that validation. Why is it such a popular thing for someone else to say, no, no, nobody's going to give you the permission, right? Like Seth Godin, I believe, says this all over the place. Uh, uh, a lot of other people, you're waiting for permission and nobody's going to give it to you. You have to just step out and start figuring things out. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, when we talk about this concept of a business being a, a series of, um, tests, you're more like a scientist. We're trying to take the pressure off of any one iteration yeah. being the thing that you feel like is the be all end all mm-hmm. that defines your success or your abilities or whatever. And it's so easy for us when we're pursuing a business or something that we think is really important to put the weight of our entire life on mm. that one thing that we're after yeah. instead of seeing the journey for what it is. And in those moments, um, I think that's that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. That's when the self-doubt gets you down, when you feel like this defines me, yep. basically. Yeah. So Steph, you were saying that you you had more moments in your life, more times in your life that you felt this doubt than you've had where you didn't feel them. Is there one time in particular or or maybe some moment that you can you can share yeah absolutely there's a handful and it's actually i, I find it challenging to choose just one um but this is actually a perfect time for they're me they're also sh- delicious it's crazy i mean it's like constant you know it just, it just it's is. like that box of chocolates where you're just like oh i hope this isn't the one with that gross cherry stuff in the middle that's right that's right <laughs> i do i do have a little quote though that i pulled because i was thinking about this it go- kind of goes with what, what you guys were just saying this quote's actually from cheryl sandberg and from the book lean in which lean in that's a different topic. That's not necessarily, I have my own issues with the book, but I do like what she has to say about imposter syndrome. And I particularly like this quote. It goes, feeling confident or pretending that you feel confident is necessary to reach for opportunities. It's a cliche, but opportunities are rarely offered. They are seized. Given how fast the world moves today, grabbing opportunities is more important than ever. And I just think that's so true. I think it's exactly what we're talking about. So it does relate to one of my own stories. So um, for people who are listening, who've you know heard my story at any point, you know that I came to Fizzle from Groupon. I had become the director of training at Groupon. I was 27. I am 27. And the guy before me was literally 50. Okay. He was mm. 50 years old. When I took over, they did not just hand it to me and say, Hey, Steph, we think you'd be perfect for this job. In fact, it was quite the opposite. I actually had to assume that role and I did the job on an interim basis with really no incentive to do so out of necessity because they did not have anyone to replace that person. And truthfully, there were a lot of people who weren't too sure, like clearly were not too sure if they believed in me or at least I could tell that they sort of thought maybe they were crazy for believing in me, sort of like is asking themselves, could this really be possible? And it was it was very hard on my self-worth, which I think is what Corbett's talking about. It started to feel like there was something wrong with me that I wasn't able to win people over automatically. Mm. Um, so at that time, I thought to myself, maybe I have what it takes and maybe I don't, but I, I eventually realized that the greatest tragedy for me would would to be to not to try at all. You mm. know, the worst thing, 
people could say about me was that I tried really, really hard and eventually I just wasn't a good fit. Um, but to me, to give up on myself and to not even go for it was the most embarrassing thing of all. Ultimately, I did earn that position and I ended up being, I think, pretty good at it once I got the hang of it. But in the beginning, you know, to take on a role that I had literally half the experience they were looking for, I had all the self-doubt in the world. And it was, it was a very, it was a very challenging experience. But if I hadn't gone for it, I don't even know if I'd be on this team with you guys. And so what was the path of like kind of, I don't know, overcoming that or whatever? I, like I, ste stepping over the self-doubt and actually taking the reins. I mean, because there, there's actually doing the work and then there's the the those the season where you actually start to feel confident about it, right? Yeah, and it, it takes a lot of time for sure to have any level of confidence, I think. But I think it, it absolutely goes back to what Corbett said. I, I think I had to detach myself from the outcome, at least to some extent. It's impossible to do it fully when it's your livelihood and it's your job and your ego and all these other things that are wrapped up into it. But I had to realize like I wasn't going to die. You know, if I tried really hard and they ultimately passed me over and hired somebody else, it would sting. It would be kind of embarrassing. I had these visions of people like pointing and laughing at me, people who knew that I had gone for it and said like, wow, she didn't end up making it. And that would have sucked. But, you know, I don't know. I think I felt like to, to again, to not try would have been more embarrassing for me and something that I would regret more than mm. just giving it my best shot and seeing what happened from it. And, and just knowing that at the end of the day, I would have made it out. And, and, you know, the worst thing that would have happened is I would have needed to move on and get a different job. So I think that going back to that, you know, experiment with it and realize there are other options for you if you fail is is really empowering. Yeah, it's a it, I was watching this. Uh, I'm speaking at the, this podcast cruise event and I was researching. So the other speakers there and, and one of them, her name is Farnoosh and she did a, a TV show or like a kind of a Yahoo TV thing called. Uh, financially fit. And the ones that I saw, she basically interviews these people like Mr. Money Mustache, looks at how he lives his life and kind of does like almost like you'd imagine like a nightly news kind of segment on him. Um, and then this other one that, that they did was on this family that lives in a small house, in a tiny house, and they, they um, like financial problems made them had to walk away from their first house. And then finally they built this little house and then, and the way that they were sort of like ratcheting down on savings and, and just not spending anything was uh, getting them to the point where they could, they could start to have a lot of freedom in their life. Same thing with Mr. Money Mustache. Like that's his whole thing. He lives on $30,000 a year and bikes with his family everywhere. They don't spend any money and he doesn't work. They, nobody works. Like they just have built up money and did the thing. Uh, and then they're living off the dividends from that. And the idea is this, the the the, the whole goal well, behind... he does maintain a blog. Yeah, <laughs> which he's probably getting AdWords from or something like that. Uh, lots of money in AdWords. But there, there's the spirit of the show was kind of, to me, which I think is so important, is like, how is it possible that you... Like, there's a lot of different ways you can live nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do what everybody says you have to do. And just kind of what you were saying there, Steph, about... I don't know, where, where you're like, this doesn't have to work. I'm not going to die. And mm -hmm. you can get really creative about what what can work and how you can live your life. But it's it's so hard to get up from out of the rut and out of the out of the stream of how everybody else is living. And anyways, that's that's more of a lifestyle design -y sort of thing. Sorry, it just made me excited to think about. <laughs> where, where, Corbett, you were writing down some stuff. What are you thinking about over there? Uh, I was just looking up uh, an article that came to mind about confidence. It's funny too. We're going to talk about self doubt for like a whole show here, yeah. and in the end, our answer is roughly going to be like uh, everybody deals with it. It's really hard, yeah. and um, 
the more that you wrestle with it and the harder you work, eventually you're going to gonna get over it. I no, guess. there's some huge spoilers. There's oh, like yeah, some, some good big, yeah, okay. huge right, things good. here coming. Good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> so I had to look up an article and uh, I hate to link to this, but it needs to go in the show notes because it's an amazing article. I hate to link to it because it's over at glamour.com, which I don't find myself reading very often. But uh, when I do. But when I do. <laughs> I don't admit to it. <laughs> I don't admit to it. No, in this case, uh, somebody had shared an article on social media and um, I went over to glamour.com and I read it. I read it for the articles. I read it um, <laughs> because uh, it's called Mindy Kaling's Guide to Killer Confidence. And okay. um if you guys don't know Mindy Kaling, she was on The Office. She has her own show called The Mindy Project. Yeah. Um, she is not the um, vision of like a Hollywood starlet or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, mm-hmm. she's not the kind of person that you would expect to be in that sort of role, but she's done amazing for herself. She's hilarious. Her show's really good. And um, this article in Glamour is basically her explaining how she got over the fact that she's uh, an Indian American. She's heavier than women are usually on TV. And, um, the, the times that she first showed up in the writer's room and just felt like a complete idiot, yeah. uh, and how she got to the point where now she seems like very confident despite not having the appearance mm. of someone who you might expect to be mm. confident. Mm-hmm. And, um, she eventually gets around to this article, this, this idea of entitlement mm. and entitlement often is a bad word. We use that like the, those, entitled rich kids or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah. But entitlement, really, one of the definitions is really just that you believe that you are deserving of something, right? And that's what rich kids have. They have that syndrome where yeah. they believe they're they're deserving of something because their parents were or whatever. Yeah. But another way to come to entitlement is through hard work, simply putting in the effort. And like Brie was saying in her post earlier yeah. about how she fails over and over again. Well, those failures eventually, that is hard work. Failing right. over and over, over again is hard work. And eventually you're going to have enough failures to where everyone else around you who's going like, who the hell are you? You get to say, I've been through the mud on this thing. Yeah. I've tried it six ways from Sunday. And I know now that I am deserving of success because I put in the time and the effort. And so confidence eventually comes from that. If you can initially get over the self-doubt to even try, which is what Steph was saying earlier. Yeah. 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 And it's, it, 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 there's something that happens to, that I've noticed with people when they do things for long enough they start to realize the game that's actually being played. And it's different than the game they thought was being played in the beginning. It's actually, they don't realize that it's a game in the beginning. You think it's you. You think that to be, to start up a blog and make it successful would mean that you are a successful blogger Mm -hmm. when that's not it. No, it's a game to start a successful blog and you have to play by the rules and you can, you can be more, uh, you could be more of a sleazy player or less of a sleazy player. And you could be more of uh, this kind of player or more of that kind of player. Uh, but when you realize that the it's that goes back to that old Steve Jobs quote that I love so much because it's meant so much to me about like when you realize that everything around you that you call life was just created and invented by people who were no smarter than you. Yeah. And that there's essentially there's this whole set of rules that a bunch of old white dead white men made up. Yeah. Well, and, and but more recently, the cool thing is you can kind of see where the rules were invented for things like podcasting or blogging because it's, yeah. it's only five or 10 or 15 years old. Yeah. And you can kind of see how those rules were established. And it's easier, I think, to poke the box yeah, in those cases. Totally. Um, because the rules aren't so well and that, But And yet I find it, for me, for my confidence, it's actually incredibly uh, liberating to realize how 
how there's nothing new in podcasting. This is just something. This is a very it's ancient like radio. It's an ancient thing called get more people to know about my thing. <laughs> Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Really, the problem with podcasting is I need more people to listen to it. And it's not necessarily about how do I make a good radio show even, or how do I make a good entertainment thing even. It's kind of like, what is what is a human and what do they want? You know, it's, it's, it's been here for forever. And if you're historically con- like intelligent enough, you can see the thoroughfare that has, that it's a very simple road between here and there, Yeah, you know? Yep. So um, we've talked about validation and we've talked about uh, cesspools, Barrett's favorite one, point. One quick thing about validation, I don't think that we got into, but mm. a lot of people in the beginning phases, you know, we talk about this um, consumption versus creation balance that people have. Like a lot of people spend a lot of time consuming and not very much time creating. And so it's yeah. no wonder that they're not making much progress. But when you're in that consumption cycle in the beginning, I think a lot of times you're looking for um, stories and case studies and interviews and just something that points to evidence that you are worthy of giving this a shot because you see in someone else's story that it kind of overlaps yeah. with yours <laughs> and therefore, okay, if if that numb nuts Barrett can pull it off, then yeah. I can do it too. His nuts aren't literally numb. Um, so <laughs> He can't feel this right now. That just gets back to the, the validation that you were talking about. He literally about. can't, you can't feel this, what I'm doing to you? And I do generally feel it when we're podcasting, so. <laughs> it's, so they're super numb right now. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so we we've we've this validation thing is a really big deal and it's especially important starting off but it doesn't just stop there like i i would love for someone like seth godin or fred wilson or brad feld or or any of these business people that i really really admire to just like send me an email go like hey we've been watching what you're doing and right we really think you you guys are doing a great and job. guess what they're never going to. They're, right. That's literally never going to happen. Yeah. Everyone would love for that to happen, and it's never going to happen. It happens occasionally, not, not to people like us. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's like, we have to you know, continue you to You know what despite. else happens occasionally? People win lotteries occasionally. And you know who buy lottery tickets? People who have no business buying lottery tickets. And you're not going to win the f- lottery. So like, you're saying that we shouldn't start a blog because Seth Godin will never email us? No, he's literally <laughs> never going to email you. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that pisses me off when it comes to this. So I've been kind of like holding off because I know that this is an important topic and it's an emotional topic and that everyone faces self-doubt. I have self-doubt too, and that's fine. But we give too much license to people that have no business weighing in on our business. And we, like... We place our sense of self-worth in their words, and they have no permission, no business making us feel any kind of way, good or bad, yeah. because they don't have all the information to be able to tell us how we should be feeling about our efforts. And so for me, a huge part of this is, yeah, you can hope for an email from Brad Feld or Seth Godin or whoever you admire. It's never going to happen, and the more you hope for that, the more that you're hopeless and whatever you're trying to accomplish. So I hear what you're saying is that they're never going to email me, right? Uh, And what I was saying was that... was that I still wish that would happen. Sure. But I do things regardless of the fact that right. they're never yeah. going yeah, to. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I know. I know you weren't saying that you actually live your life at fizzle hoping But that, the point uh, is, you are on an elevated state where, where you can then f- kind of live without, with like, j- you know that that's pointless or it's never going to happen. And so you're completely free of the cl- clutches of that? No, I mean, you have to have an alternative because... What people do who end up not achieving very much is they wish for impossible things. And that's the act of letting themselves off the hook is by saying, 
well, if Seth Godin doesn't notice me, then I must not be worth anything. And so I don't have to do the work. And that's a lie. That's a lie you tell yourself to prevent yourself from doing the hard work. Whereas the alternative would be, why don't I find three peers who have the time to hear all the information about my situation, care enough to give me honest feedback, and will call me out on my bullshit on days when I'm not doing the work, when I'm not following through, when I do need to be made to feel like I'm not doing my job. Mm. And so that's the alter- one of the alternatives and for I, me. I think that it gets to this, uh, this difference between um, a belief that you have some underlying talent that someone is going to recognize versus... Yeah realizing that who you are is really just what you've done in the past, right. not some innate thing that you have. And so you're hoping that somebody's yeah. going to recognize you because you're a special person. You are though. Whereas you, are a special you become person. a special person by by having experiences That's and right. by putting in the work. And I, I have news for you. The more you spend time with successful people, with people who have done something, quote unquote, in their lives, the more you'll realize there's not that much different about them. They're figuring it out just as they go. Fortune 500 executives have no idea what the hell they're doing every day. And they show up and they figure it out and they they put up appearances and they have all the same feelings everyone else does. And that goes from big big company executives down to little nonprofit you know, executive directors or whatever. People in leadership roles don't know what they're doing. That's the act of leadership. You're out in front, you're making decisions, you're carving a path that no one else has carved before. And there's going to be situations where you wake up and you say, I don't know what to do next. And that's the point. That's the point of being an entrepreneur. That's the point of taking risks, of being in a situation where things can pay off, is you're going to do things that are hard, that there is no answer to. And if you don't want to do that, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So if, if it's hard, don't be an entrepreneur. No, if you're not if you're not willing to do the work. I think right. I think the thing is like a lot of people expect things to be handed to them or for it to be sure. somewhat easy or yeah. for their innate talent to make things easy for right. them um, yeah. or for them to get a lot of support in the beginning. And in reality, nobody's going to support you. Like mm. like um Steph was saying earlier, was it Steph? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like hearing voices, I don't know who's <laughs> talking, um about the fact that opportunities need to be seized. Yeah. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Because no one be wa- no one wakes up uh, in any company and says, hey, you know that uh, 25-year-old young woman, newcomer who threatens everything about my existence? Right. I think I should go give her an opportunity right. today. Yeah. No, there's a bunch of assholes out there who are trying to take care of their own little Whoa. bread, Tone it bread down. and butter. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's annoying. You you can't count on people who don't care about you to give you a sense of self-worth. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I, I agree completely with, with, with what Barrett's saying. I think they're great points, but I think it's important to point out that this need for validation, it goes so much deeper than like validate my idea, right? I mean, this this to me, and yeah. I think it, it's super cultural. I think it's especially prevalent in the millennial culture, but it's a need to have praise. It's the gold star culture. It's that, you know, we grew up earning grades. It's, there's so many things that go back to that. So you end up getting trophies no matter what you did on the team. Yeah, exactly. I got a and trophy like, for sitting in my closet and touching my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, th- you know, Chase asked me what was one of the things that helped me get beyond the doubt that I had in the, in the story that I described. And one of the things was just realizing that nobody was going to pull me aside and tell me how amazing of a job I was doing. Well, and, and you just have to stop playing the game to get the fucking trophy. Like, right. The trophy is not the thing that's going to make you happier in your life. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. I am. I'm right so annoyed by the dam is breaking. <laughs> it frustrates me because smashing the table. you wake up one day and you realize you got a shelf full of trophies and you don't care about right. any of the work that went into getting yeah. the trophies. The trophy is not the point either. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And and if you're playing for a trophy and that's it, you're going to wake up one day and be very disappointed. Yeah. So, I'm so, guessing yeah. that I'm, I'm guessing that, that people I think is the key and if we want to go all the way back around to Bree's forum topic that we started with, you know, one of the responses was from Ken and I think he had a great response. He said when you're emotionally spent burnt out and defeated, there's only one thing you absolutely must do. Turn toward that which sustains you. That's exactly right. And, I think and Ken was That's what you're getting at, that. I think. Yes. And so when I wrote down, I finally took some notes on this topic as y'all were talking during this conversation. And <laughs> turns out I care more about this than anything. Two places. <laughs> I knew that, it was coming. There's two places self-doubt come from for me. One is I'm not doing what I need to do outside of the work to stay balanced and healthy. And so sure. my life is off kilter everywhere else. And then everything, all the weight of the world gets put onto the work because that's where you feel like you're supposed to be most in control. And there's nothing that has to do with the work that's actually making me feel this sense of self-doubt or lack of self-worth or whatever. Yeah. It's everything outside of that that I've relinquished control of, that I have control over. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing I don't have control over the outcome, which is what happens after I do the work, is what I'm basing my sense of self-worth and value on. And so when I refocus on the things outside the work that balance the work, that always helps. And the second place self-doubt comes from for me is when I've put everything on the line based on this one project or this one business or this one idea or whatever it is that I have to have happen so that I can be whatever it is I imagine myself to be in the future. Mm -hmm. It always leads to disappointment. It doesn't, yeah. and that's the equivalent of playing for the trophy is yeah. if I don't do X, Y, or Z, I am not a good person. And that's just, if you do that, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail. You're gonna wake Reminds up Reminds me of the post that Mike Cole wrote uh, and we republished on the Sparkline where he basically says, you have to learn to love the effort divorced from the outcome mm -hmm. kind of thing right yep. so this gets me thinking about um one of the one of the things is is uh, this idea of comparing ourselves to others like why where do where does this idea that we should be doing more come from like where is this idea that i should have a bigger trophy or that i should have a trophy in general come from well it comes from this really natural tribal instinct that we have as a as a freaking tribal species i think of 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 we're aware of the people next to us and the size of their, I don't know, <laughs> appendages fl flying around in the breeze or whatever, right? Like we're aware of the size of the stick that they carry, of the of the of the number of subscribers, of the of the number of uh, of dollars that they pull in every month, or of the thing th things like that. And it's really hard to disconnect to know everything that you're saying, Barrett, and to know that deep down in my in my bones, such that it doesn't affect you when you're looking at that. When sure. you're like, cause what happens is you start to feel really tired. Yeah. Start to feel really tired. But that's not to say that it doesn't affect people. Even if you've conquered self doubt, you yeah. still have those moments. You, you forget, you yeah. forget. Right. Right. And you, and you start playing someone else's game. I think right. that's what Barrett was saying mm -hmm. earlier. When you start playing their game, when they define what matters in life yeah. and what matters in business and you somehow like forget that you have your own values and your own reason why, um, that's when you feel shitty because yeah. Yeah. because you're not you're no longer remembering why you're doing the things that you're doing. And yeah, it's hard so, work. The hardest work is to get clear on that, on what your values are, on what you believe yeah. to be true in the world, on what matters to you as individual and not you as pack animal. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And, it's hard. And 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 I think self-doubt is going to happen during that process because you don't know what's possible yet. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're capable of. Um, and so you're looking for all this validation and hoping that 
hoping that you're going to understand what you're capable of, hoping that you'll have a couple of successes or that somebody's going to say, hey, Barrett, good job. Right. Um, so that you, you have the confidence to continue on. And that's when you find your why. <clears throat> that is true. But but the act of becoming more self-aware is the only thing we can hope for. It's really the only thing we can count on when it comes to any of this stuff. Because if you hang living a good life on achieving something, on milestones along the way, you're going to get to the end and be disappointed. It doesn't matter what it is. And you hear this from all the surveys of all the people that are dying or whatever. And so if instead you aim to live a life that says, my life reflected these values that I hold dear, this way that I wanted people to feel about our relationship or the way people thought about the work that I did, those few people who did pay attention to it, it's much less likely that that's going to lead to disappointment if you follow through on reflecting values in the work. Yeah. This reminds me of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. right? Because up at the very top of the pyramid is, you know, self-actualization. Right. And I think when I think of self-actualization, I'm thinking of someone who is not afraid of if their survival needs are met. They're not afraid of if they're worthy or useful or valuable or not. They're not afraid that they... Uh, they don't feel a lack, even though they are probably very well aware of of no one who's truly self actualized can can be unaware of the places where they're you know not the best at something. Right. No one who's self actualized probably feels like they're the best at anything, but they don't have that crippling fear. But you don't care that you're not the best self- at yeah. Everything. You don't have that fear that keeps you from trying anyways. Right? right. And so the to me the inspiring thing is always the people who who are those like really humble they just they have a goal that is it's their own game this is very helpful language right they're playing by their own game so to me it's this idea that we we lose faith sometimes right what you guys are saying is we kind of like lose the faith we forget it we just, forget what we it were just fighting happened to for. me just just now like it i bet it happens to each of us like multiple times every mm-hmm. hour yeah. and we don't realize Definitely. it we lose yeah. the faith and we feel like Oh, I'm no good. Yeah. So like I was just searching for um, a video Uh and uh, I came across a blog post that had embedded the video and it had like 5,000 shares on Twitter and Uh 50,000 shares on Facebook. And I'm like, what the hell? It's amazing. You know, yeah. like, wow, 50,000 shares It happened on to Facebook. me. It happened, like, I'm in, I'm back from Europe. We've been thinking, I've been like, you know, 35,000 feet in the air, thinking about our business, looking down on it from afar. And just like, you know, knowing where some of our friends' businesses are, knowing where uh, some of our, what some of the other people in our space or in other spaces are. And I'm just kind of like going like, what are, what, like, are we, are we doing it right? Like, are we, do we remember what we're doing this for? And today I had to like open up day one, my little journaling app. And I started just writing going like, I don't know if we're working on the things we're supposed to be working on. I don't know. I think we might've lost track of what we're doing. And I kept kind of writing and thinking it through. Okay. So what do I think the problem is? Or what do we, what do we want? Well, we want, uh, okay. I, I sensibly, we want people to sign up, but no, that's not what we want. We want, and eventually like I said, we want, we want, we want, we want, we want. And then it was like, Oh, we want to make people successful. We want to make independent entrepreneurs successful. That's what we want. We want to make independent entrepreneurs successful. And that reminded me, oh, we had this conversation a while ago where we realized the best we know that and the best way we could do that is to work one-on-one with them. If everybody that we work one-on-one with, like they make progress fast and they get through things. The idea that they're working on, it's going to be figured out that that's a dumb idea real quick. And they're not a dumb person, but that needs, we need to go to the next thing. Okay, so I was thinking about this or here's where we need to change about that happens really, really fast. We're in a one-on-one thing. Well, that reminded me that that's the whole impetus behind our roadmap. 
was to make a virtual version of us. Here's all of the steps that we would take you through. So a one-on-one virtual coach. And then we built that roadmap. So now all of a sudden I had lost faith for like weeks and weeks. Then I start writing about it and actually asking myself these sort of like, okay, so what are you really trying to do? I'm reminded of of the mission statement, yeah. basically. I'm reminded of the faith and the things that we are doing. And that changes everything yeah. about the outlook. That goes from a fear-based, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, into an adventure. I'm Indiana Jones with my hat and my whip and I'm going like, let's figure this thing out. Well, and beyond that, like there's a there's a deeper why, which is, okay, why do we want to help entrepreneurs be successful? Sure, why, yeah, yeah. Why, why are we working at all? Yep. And um, I tend to lose faith, you know, just like everybody else does. And I found that if I start the week off and just jump right into work, you can get like three or four days into the week and feel really burned out because you don't have the perspective on like what the hell you're doing all this for. Now I start every Monday by literally reviewing my why, like my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. What do I care to accomplish? Why am I here? You're Tony Robbinsing it. I'm Tony Robbinsing it for the first half hour or an hour every Monday. I just, I have a bunch of notes that I've taken down about Mm -hmm. what matters to me, what I should be pursuing, what I need to remember, keep in mind. And I just, I review that for an hour. I do that same thing, but I go into the closet and touch my shoulders and sing No Doubt. Are you wearing like No Fear gear? No, I'm super vulnerable, completely naked, just sweating it out. (laughs) Sorry. The imagery on this show has been remarkable. I'm just a girl in the world, you guys. That's all that you let me be. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so listen, I have two sort of things that that I've I've learned about sort of refocusing and understanding again, re-catching the vision for what we're doing, re-getting the faith sort of thing. Okay, and one of them is you refocus on your own metrics instead of other people's metrics. Okay, now this is this sounds like I've already like gone way down in the weeds. Let me let me zoom back out. One of the things we often talk about is the difference between what we call a vanity metric, okay? Uh, a sort of a vain metric. It's like, oh, this article got like this many shares. And then you say that to someone at a, at a cocktail party and expect them to be impressed, right? That's a vanity metric. How many shares of a post, how much traffic to your site, none of that actually generates any revenue unless... It does. Or impact. Or impact, potentially, right? So the metrics that you choose to measure yourself by literally are the places where you can tell what game you're playing. We've been talking about what game are you playing? Are you playing by that person's game or that person's game? Are you trying to get a trophy? The metrics you choose to track are like show you, point to what the trophy you think you're playing for is. So for example... What would be the one one or ones you would choose for us? What are the ones that matter? Well, one of the things is I'm a I'm I don't know if I'm a staunch capitalist, but like I I immediately go to revenue, right? Because it's like if we're valuable, we'll be able to tell by our revenue. If people are paying for us and happily doing so, so our there, revenue so will show. So therefore, Donald it. Trump is more valuable than the rest of Make us. Make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> so I immediately go to revenue because that's uh, that's what a good capitalist is supposed to do. Um, but I think there's also more of these weird subjective things. You know what it's like when you get like a handful of emails from people going like, dude, wow, that thing that, that, that you guys put together in the roadmap or this, that, and the other, that just starts to build up for a time. And it's an unsustainable thing because it kind of like comes when it launches and then it doesn't come anymore right yeah. so there's that there's potentially more metrics on like how do we do how do we know when someone's in fizzle has become successful that's where my mind goes it's like so my two factors would be uh how much money are our customers making 
because mm-hmm. that ultimately means we're being successful. If our customers are making money. And, Unless we're teaching them how to gamble in sure. Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other factor would be how happy are they with the business that's making them money? And so if those were our two kind of guiding lights, those things seem like pretty good metrics to gauge the work based on. Yeah. But they're also hard to measure. Sure. Right. right? But th- th- it's a, this is, this is um, so if the, if a problem for you is comparing yourselves to others, yourself to others, then compare yourself to yourself and figure out which single metric you want to improve and come up with a plan to improve that one thing. In the roadmap that we talked about, I mentioned earlier, there we the one of the later stages is this growth stage and we came up with this like seven uh seven stage cycle of growth and it's really powerful um it was to me because like i'm this like artsy fartsy kid who's always looking for you know my work to sort of validate who i am as a person and i realized kind of I, this is the stage that kind of taught me like very clearly and succinctly um that that there's a, if there's a metric to be improved set a goal for it a single metric and make a plan for how you're going to do it. And in in the roadmap, we have this this whole big thing. I, I guess we don't have time for you to get into it. Um, you can try it for free, five weeks, fizzle.co slash try five. I got that right, right? Is Nailed it? it. Fizzle.co slash try five. Five weeks for free. Go try, Go just go honestly, just go through the growth stage of the roadmap. That's like stage, whatever, eight of nine. You'd be skipping way ahead and you'd be missing out on all the good stuff early on. Yep. But if you go through it really quick, you get the weighted average decision matrix, you get this whole model for, instead of just going like, I don't have any good ideas or I'm not going to be important. You just go like, what metric do I want to improve? Set a goal for that metric. Come up with a huge list of things that could work. Judge them by certain criteria add up all the sums of all those things, do the one that, that uh, according to those sums, matters the most. And if that doesn't work in two weeks, try the next one. And if that doesn't work in two weeks, try the next one. And, right? and then the point, though, is to judge your sense of worth based on the fact that you are executing on the plan, not on the outcome of the execution. And so yeah. you are doing a good job when you are following the process and executing, not that experiment didn't work, therefore I'm a bad person. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's important to, to distinguish between. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so there's, there's, your, there's your metric, refocus. You, it, now, the, the, the art in this thing, there's art all over business. You're crazy if you don't realize that. There is art and creativity everywhere in business. And the art is what is the metric you're going to pick. That is the magic in this thing, okay? Then the second thing is, is this refocusing on your core audience, okay? When you get lost, when you get in the weeds, when you start to get super down, when you start to get that cesspool of, of uh, I'm just imagining just sewage just running all over the place, and that's like literally what self-doubt's like. It just ruins things. Um, when, that, when that's the case, you've got, and you're not going to feel like this, but you've got to zoom out and you've got to go find who your core audience is again. I'm talking about a specific person or seven specific people Mm -hmm. potentially just jump on a skype call with them and just go like what are you working on right now what are you struggling with right now what's been helpful for you what's going on yada yada tell me what your life's like as it relates to this thing that i'm trying to build as it relates to the topic that we have in common right that can center you again and you can realize there are real people putting their asses on the line to build something or to do something and you can help them. Yeah. That that's that mission that puts you back in touch with your faith, right? Yeah, stop being so narcissistic about yeah. your goals and mm-hmm. and your business. And- well, it's hard not to be though because you've got this big ass ego. Big ass and an ego is what I meant to say. Yep. You've got two things comma. going for you. Big ass comma ego 
Yep. Right? It's just both of them. Yep. And they're assets. <laughs> now is the time of the show when Chase Reeve cracks himself up. Yep. I am so sorry because I didn't even mean it to be as a joke until I was in, I just started the word assets and I was like, assets. Not as, not as, not as good as a pool uh, joke. That, that wasn't a dad joke. That was like a yeah. first grader joke. I was like, a, yeah, you're literally laughing at a word because <laughs> it contains the word ass. I'm actually, it. I'm actually laughing because I was so surprised. I, I I actually wasn't planning on saying assets like it like it had the word. Uh, hey Chase, I'm, <clears throat> I give you a trophy for a great pun. Let me go ahead and just tell you more about why I was laughing about this. I was laughing. It's <laughs> gonna just get kidding. funnier. <laughs> so refocus on your own metrics. Compare yourself to yourself. Figure out. Okay, I get it. That's what these guys are doing. But I am going to improve this one thing right here time on site or number of email subscribers or whatever, right? And yeah. then number two, refocusing on your core audience because that brings you back to the heart of the matter. That brings us back to the to the reason probably why you started this thing up in the be- in the beginning. Yep. Um, and then here's a, here's a third thing that's kind of interesting. So this fear that you have, this gross crippling cesspool of self-doubt, this fear, there's two things. There's like, I am a piece of crap. That's always lying to you. That's always, that's just, that's just humanity. That's just, uh, you know, there's there be monsters. There's something outside my door. There's some. There's a monster in my closet or under my bed. That's just like built in to to your humanity, I think. But there's other fears, which which are the fears of like, I could never do that, right? Like I could never be a blogger. Oh no, no, I could never do this, that, and the other. I could never skydive. I could never X, Y, and Z. These fears, these things that you're afraid of, can oftentimes be kind of invitations things calling to you that somewhere deeper down you you're really supposed to go do that thing and try it out so what if your fear is actually telling you something that you should try um is is, that's different from with when this fear this crippling self-doubt is is getting keeping you from feeling like you can even take a step and then finally You've got to get back to joy. What what Barrett was so eloquently shouting about <laughs> earlier was this sense of 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 being above the dialogue of uh, the, the pointless dialogue, the the ad infinite, the infinity dialogue of 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 bull crap. All right, that's that's just going to lead to downward spiral stuff. But if you get to this sense of kind of like joy of possibility, of adventure, that that Indiana Jones kind of thing, then things become about possibility and enjoyment instead of, you know, failure and fear and pain. And I don't know how you do that, but sometimes you take a, you take a break and you go, remember why it's nice to be alive. Hmm. Like why you like to stay alive because there's more reasons than... Than just building. don't go getting all existential. Yeah, there you go. The meaning of life. Now, a lot of people are thinking, you know, what you got to do is you got to make a thing. But I was, I'm under the impression that you don't have to. That's not actually necessary. So hard to keep the Cosby out of the drunk guy. It's yeah. really <laughs> difficult. But I'm, I'm, oh gosh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to keep the Cosby. Hey, out of the drunk guy. Yeah, you know, we we think we have problems, but um, imagine being one of the one of the people who was on the Cosby show. And now when you go around to do an interview to talk about the yeah. new thing that you're working on, yeah. that's all anybody could talk about. Yep. Jello. Yeah, that would suck. Jello pudding. All right. I got some things here. You got some things there? Whoa. Whoa. Taking some notes. Whoa. Barrett, Steph, you guys go. Have at it. Go Barrett. Start. You got, right, things. I got some things. I got things over here too. Barrett, Whoa. You first. All right. Jeez. Number one is if you're feeling about bad about the results or the metrics or whatever the trophy is that you are counting on, you have to remember that it's about the work. It's not about the outcome. It's not about the trophy. 
And so if you make it about the work, you're much less likely to be disappointed and to have your self-worth tied up in that. If you feel bad because you didn't do the work, I think that's another case entirely. I think that you should feel bad about that and you should get down to the driving force behind why the work isn't getting done. Because if you don't do the work, there's no possibility that there's going to be an outcome that's positive for you. But it's oftentimes the self-doubt that's keeping you from doing the work. It is oftentimes. And self-doubt usually is driven by other things. It's that itself is not usually the problem. And so you have to go dig into why, 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 why until you figure out the real driving issue behind not getting the work done. Yeah. If you feel bad because someone else responded to your work differently than you hoped that they would, so the response from people was not what you hoped it was going to be, then you have to ask yourself if you gave that person permission to affect your life in that way. And if you did not give that person permission, if they're not one of the people who gets permission to give you the kind of feedback that they gave you, then I got a couple choice words for them and it starts with F and it ends with off. Um, So, (laughs) Foff? Yeah, foff. Uh, Foff, interesting. I've already been been earmarked a couple times on this episode, so I won't continue to cuss. Um, And then if you did give them permission, I think you have to ask yourself if they have all the information they need to be able to weigh in thoughtfully. Mm. So Mm -hmm. choose your people intentionally who get to give you the feedback, who get to say... Is this kind of like the celebrity thing where like you and your spouse have an agreement that if you come across a certain (laughs) celebrity, you have a list? So is there like, there are the people you actually know and then there are like the 10 people who you respect. Like if Richard Branson gave me the feedback, she would get a pass. Or Uh, Katie Sackhoff, if she gave me any feedback. It's more like... uh, If Giselle gave me feedback. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like, hey, these... uh, Jesus. (laughs) Woo! That's a different episode. It is a different episode. Is it though? It's called a hall pass. Uh, anyways, um, you have to choose who those people are. And maybe they're a mastermind group. Maybe they're, they're your closest friends. Maybe they're just people, mentors you trust. But someone has to have permission to say, stop being a little bitch. You're being a bitch right now and you need to do the actual work. Interesting. And I said this to my mastermind group the other day. I said, Interesting. I need you to tell me on the days when I'm whining and when I'm saying I'm not getting the work done, you need to tell me to stop being... Do- do we get permission to do that? Yeah. Can I go ahead and is that all right if I <laughs> you do You need too? to be able to tell me to stop being a little bitch because sometimes mm. that's the problem is you're being a whiny, ungrateful person who doesn't realize that you it's a privilege to get to talk about self-doubt. We're talking about the upper levels of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you get to have this conversation, you're lucky. And sometimes you need a reminder of that, that the problem is just you being the problem, not your sense of self-worth. And so you have to have someone who has the permission to do that. And then you need to trust them. You need to trust that they're going to show up and give you the feedback that you need to hear when you need to hear it. And you also need to trust them when they say, you're fine, stay the course, you're doing the work, everything is good. You know, (laughs) uh, I was going to use another movie quote, but there's more cussing. So anyways, uh, you just have to- Wait, 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 what were you heading towards? Nothing is here. (laughs) Nothing is here, dude. Um, (laughs) So anyways- good one. You have to trust them to both tell you when you're being whiny and when you're doing the right thing. I'm so proud of you for dropping some Lebowski on us, I know, right? I know. Being influenced. I know. Uh, but anyways. I don't know if he remembers that um, quote from the actual movie because oh, he was we've texting. Used it a lot. Yeah, he was texting the film. And he wasn't drinking his white Russian. He's probably just remembering it from us. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. I was taking notes. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> wow. Really? <laughs> taking notes during Big Lebowski uh, is just as big of a sin. Anyways, <laughs> point being, you need a support system and you have to be able to trust them i like that you got a hell of a list there Whew. did you learn all that in your Man. fancy leadership school barrett 
I feel like today Barrett is podcasting on us. <laughs> he pos- podcasted at us, and I got a little yeah. bit on my lip. Yeah, uh, Steph, what do you think? What's going on? I would argue that Barrett really li- actually likes this topic in spite of himself. Yeah, I would argue that Barrett just was hangry all day long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but honestly, I have a couple things. Um, you know, one of the things we've said, but I maybe we haven't explicitly said is we all want to be liked. I think that's worth pointing out. Like that mm. drive to be liked and accepted is really important to watch out for. It is Chase mentioned mentioned vanity metric. That to me is like the ultimate vanity metric. If you're comparing yourself mm. to somebody you admire and you think things to yourself like no one's ever going to like me as much as that person is liked, that's just a red flag that you're that you really do need to go back to the values that we yes, talked about. You are and, on a path you know, to that, misery. That is like the ultimate goalpost that's always going to move if you if you base your self worth and your definition of yourself based on how much other people like you. I just think that's a very dangerous thing and it's really very natural to fall into. And it's, it's really important to pay attention to that one. Um, ties to my second point, which is, I I think that there were some great points made about, um, uh, there were like some mini insights into what some of us do, like on a Monday morning, as Corbett was talking about, um, to reconnect with those values and understand, you know, cultivate that part of us that is outside of our work. I just want to mention if you, if anybody out there is like, well, how do I do that? If you're looking for a tool to get back to that one that I use that I know people talk about all the time is the five minute journal. I got away from that myself Mm. and I just started back up with it yesterday, which was a Monday. Day. And it makes such a difference. You know, you list a couple of things that you're grateful for outside of your work. You envision how your day is going to go. And I just find that that is so incredibly helpful for getting out of my own self-doubt and my own definition of what is a good day versus what is a bad day. So if mm. anyone is looking for something and you haven't given that a try, it's, it's worth looking into. Um, yeah. Last thing I'll close on is something that was told to me a few years ago, and it was it, it has resonated with me so much. And actually, this is very true for me, like right now in my time at Fizzle. You know, I've I've been with you guys for just coming up on six months now. And I really had to keep this one in mind as I've, you know, had to go through a learning curve. And I compare myself sometimes to you guys who've been doing this for much longer than me. Mm. And one thing that I was told to me that I will always remember is you can't be further ahead than you are. And so many of us want to be, and it's great to aspire to a different level, but you can't you can't be somewhere without learning the lessons that you're going to have to learn between here and there. So sometimes just giving yourself permission to be where you are is so powerful. It doesn't mean that you yeah. have to give up, but just give yourself permission to to be in a learning curve. You know, I'm six months into this journey with Fizzle. I guarantee that two years from now, I am going to be so much more of what I would consider an expert than I am today. And that's okay because I can only be as far as I can. So I think that that's something that has always really, really helped me anchor and reassure myself in times of self-doubt. Yeah, I love that. Corbett? Nice. Um, so sometimes I think there's the big existential questions and like you really need to like get your head screwed on right and it's going to take some time, blah, blah, blah. You're going through a period. Other times I think you just need like a quick shot of like confidence booster, mm. you know, to get back on track. And in those cases, it's really helpful to, if you have any positive feedback that you've gotten from someone um, that you care about or from a stranger even. Maybe somebody emailed you to say they really liked something you did or maybe you had a conversation with someone where they gave you a pep talk. Remember that conversation or go back and read something that somebody wrote that you know had inspired you to, before. Yeah. Um, I think that's really useful just to kind of quickly get back on track. And then the other thing for me, it always comes down to figuring out what your why is. If you don't know what your why is, spend some time thinking about it. Um, spend some time thinking about why do I want to build this business? What matters in it to me? 
write that down and make sure that you're judging yourself against how close you're getting to that why and not the external metrics. Mm. Is it really that simple for you? You just go like, what's my why? And you go, oh, there it is. And then you write it down. I Every week I refine my why and I revisit it. It's like a, it's like a refined why. Yeah. <laughs> And there's, it's not like a crystal clear answer, but it's not know. crystal clear, so it's not super refined yet. No. So is it like a twelve year or fifteen year? It's like an eighteen year Macallan. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it'd be more like a Pinot. <laughs> 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 I don't know why you're giggling at that, but both of you kind of just started going. <laughs> We're just gonna, just gonna let that one go. <laughs> I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. Good to have you back, Chase. I've been Corbett Barr. (laughs) I've been Barrett Brooks. I've been Steph Crowder. And we will see you there, or we'll see you on another time. time. Corbett, you were great in Ant-Man, by the way. Hey, thanks. Tiny little superhero. (laughs) So there you have it. Fizzleshow.co slash 133. That's where you're going to find that excellent Mindy Kaling article that Corbett mentioned, as well as the article and podcast that we made on vanity metrics. Don't pick a vanity metric to measure. Go to fizzleshow.co slash 133 to find both those articles, as well as the conversation about this episode. I hope there's a conversation. I don't know if there is. I'm recording this before it's even out. I mean, can I just go ahead and say there's an amazing conversation going on over there? some of you please go talk in the comments and say how amazing the conversation is please <laughs> here's an iTunes review from Dave Wetfly and Paul I'm sorry to hear that Dave I didn't you should probably go dry your fly he says I've listened to every episode twice I knew nothing last year and now have a community of support and firepower going into the fourth quarter bravo gang and cheers Thank you so much, Dave Wetfly. You can come over anytime and I'll uh, use my little blow dryer to dry off your fly there. You know, our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. And if you leave us an iTunes review, it can help other entrepreneurs find this show. So could you leave us a review? Simply search for the show in iTunes. You have that app on your or on your computer or something, right? Even in the podcast app, I think you could do this. Uh, and click write a review. You're going to like it. We've got some new podcast art. Did you see that yet? We've got great new podcast art. Okay, my hope for you is not for an easy or gentle or cloudless life, but for a heart fully awake and eyes alight with direction, potential, and joy. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.